the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Habakkuk knows he's wrong. He knows his thinking about God is wrong. He knows he has come to wrong conclusions about God, and he was eager for God to correct him and to correct his thinking. He's looking for God to answer. He's looking for God to correct him. This says a lot about Habakkuk's heart and his humility. Humility and teachability go hand in hand. And in today's passage, you'll see how Habakkuk is a great example of someone who is wanting to learn from the Lord. Habakkuk doesn't understand the answers that God has given him. He's having a hard time making sense of the way God is going to move. But as Pastor Dan explains, Habakkuk knows that the problem lies with him, not with God's answer. We can all learn from this prophet's humble response of, God, show me where I'm wrong. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. When we started this church back in 2003, uh, most of you know that my wife and I moved here from Florida to plant the church, and we left behind our families, and we left behind our friends, and we left behind Florida. Let's not forget that, okay? And that was difficult, especially the leaving Florida part. But uh, about a month after we started church... Uh, my father, who lived in Florida, had to have uh, emergency heart surgery. Went in for a checkup. They found something. They immediately scheduled him for open heart surgery. And that, you know, that's the kind of thing that you fear when you move away from family, that something's going to happen and you're not going to be there when it happens. And so I found myself uh, on a flight, flying down to Florida to visit my father before his surgery uh, and as I was on that flight, uh, I had my Bible out, and the man sitting next to me uh, said to me, I have a word from the Lord for you. And here I am, you know, we just started the church. The church is only about a month old. We moved up here, and already there's a medical emergency, and we're, I'm going back to Florida. And, and this guy says, I, I have a word from the Lord for you. And he quoted Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, the second half of it, and he said, The Lord will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, even if it were told you. And so the Lord used Habakkuk to encourage me in the ministry very, very early on, uh, when we faced sort of one of our first challenges. And so here now, the Lord answers Habakkuk's complaint 
by saying in verse 5, look among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. God says to Habakkuk, I am working. I am working. I am doing something. You just can't see what I'm doing, Habakkuk. But I am working. You know, often God is working and we just can't see it. And we don't want to make the same mistake that Habakkuk makes and conclude, well, God's not working. I can't see him working, so God must not be working. God's not taking action because I don't see anything happening. No, God is working. You just can't see it. If you remember when uh, Jesus came to Jerusalem for the last time, and as he came up the Mount of Olives, he sends a couple of his disciples to a neighboring village, and he tells them, when you go into that village, you're going to find a, a, a donkey tied. Bring the donkey here, and when the owner of the donkey asks you, tell him the master has need of this donkey. And then he's going to ride that donkey in and make the triumphal entry and fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9, that your king comes to you lowly and riding on a donkey, bringing salvation to you, right? But Jesus, Jesus had a donkey waiting. The disciples didn't know about that donkey. But he had a guy in a village who owned a donkey who tied the donkey up outside for his two disciples to go and get that donkey. The disciples didn't know anything about that. The disciples could have said, Lord, how are we going to make this triumphal entry? We don't even have a donkey. Where are we going to get a donkey? This is never going to work, Lord. We need a donkey. The Lord's got a donkey. And I'm sure for the disciples, who does he know over there that owns a donkey? Where'd this guy come from? How do you know there was a guy there in that town? You know, the Lord is working in ways that we don't even see. He's got people, he's got donkeys. He's got it all lined up. And so he says here again in verse 5, Look among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. You you will be utterly astonished when I tell you how I am working and what I'm going to do. To which I'm sure Habakkuk leaned in and said, what is it? What are you going to do, Lord? Look what he says in verse 6. For I indeed am raising up the Chaldeans. Wait a minute, Lord. A bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. God says, I am raising up the Chaldeans to punish Judah. Lord, don't you see all the violence that's happening in the nation? Lord, I've been crying out to you. You're not doing anything. Oh, I am doing something. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. And they're going to come and judge Judah. Oh. I didn't expect that answer. (laughs) The Chaldeans are the Babylonians. And he names them by name here, by the way, before they come. And God will use the Babylonians to punish Judah for her rebellion and her wickedness. The very thing that Habakkuk is complaining about. Lord, you're not doing anything about this. All this wickedness. I'm surrounded by wickedness. And you're not doing anything. Oh, but I am doing something. I'm raising up the Babylonians. And they're going to come. And they're going to conquer Judah. They're going to take the people away captive. 
And the Lord is doing this. This is, this is going to be God's plan. He doesn't tell Habakkuk this, but we know this from the rest of the Bible because this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take to get the attention of the people of Judah. This is what it's going to take to humble them and to get them to turn back to God. And look at God's description of the Babylonians in verse 6. It's a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar was on the march. They were on the move. They were spreading throughout the Middle East, conquering every nation they came to. Look what he says in verse 7. They are a terrible and dreadful nation. Their judgment and their dignity proceed for themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. I don't know what evening wolves are. Any wolf to me is going to be fierce, but especially those evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. The Babylonians are just sweeping into countries and conquering them. And look at verse 9. They all come for violence. They're not coming to make peace. The Babylonians are outside your city gate. They're not there to make peace. They're there to conquer and there to destroy. And this is who God's going to use. This is the nation, the empire that God's going to use to deal with the rebellion of Judah. Their faces are set like the east wind. I mean, there's no stopping them. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings. And princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold. For they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Any stronghold they come to. It doesn't matter how thick your walls are. How tall your walls are. They they scoff at that. They build a siege ramp. And conquer. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offenses. After this. Ascribing this power to his God. Now, so, so remember Habakkuk's first complaint is, Lord, why don't you do something? I'm praying. You're taking too long. You're not taking action. And the Lord answers and said, oh, yes, I actually am doing something. I'm raising up the Babylonians and they're going to come and they're going to deal with Judah's rebellion. And now this perplexed Habakkuk even more. This raised an even bigger question for Habakkuk. And the question that it raises for Habakkuk is basically, how can, you, how can God use such a wicked nation to judge a more righteous nation? The Babylonians are terrible, just according to God's own assessment and description of them here. And so Habakkuk now is thinking, how can you use them? How can you use a nation like that to judge Judah? So now watch what Habakkuk says in verse 12. He's trying to think this through. He's trying to process this. He's trying to make sense of this. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction, Habakkuk begins here in verse 12 by saying, I, I know you're the everlasting God. 
I, I know that. I know you're the everlasting God. He also says that he knows Judah will not die. Do you see that in verse 12? We shall not die. The, the Babylonians have a reputation for just wiping out nations. And Habakkuk knows that Judah will not be completely wiped out. Now, how does he know that? Because he knows, according to scripture and prophecy, that the Messiah will come from Judah. The Messiah hasn't come yet. And so he knows that Judah will produce the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ will come into the world through the tribe of Judah to die for the sins of the world. He knows that according to the scriptures, the Messiah must come. So he knows the nation will not be completely wiped out by the Babylonians. So I know that we're not going to be completely wiped out. I know we're not going to die here. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Then he says in verse 13, and this is really the key verse, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor is the idea. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously? And you hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he. This, this is the question now in his mind. He knows that God does not look on wickedness with favor. He knows that God does not approve or bless wickedness. But how can God allow a wicked nation like Babylon to devour a nation more righteous like Judah? It's like Habakkuk was saying, we're bad, but we're not as bad as them. How can you use them to judge us? Have you ever had a question that doesn't make sense to you? Lord, why'd you allow this? Lord, why'd you allow this to happen? Lord, why are you doing this? Not, not, in, a, not in a shaking your fist at God sort of way, but more of just a, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. And again, he's respectful here. He begins by saying, he's saying, I know you're the eternal God. I know that. I know you're eternal. I know that you're God. And I'm not, you know, I just don't understand this. And we have questions like that sometimes if we're honest, right? So look at verse 14. He goes on here. He says, why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things? that have no ruler over them. He's, he's describing all the nations. He says they're like fish of the sea compared to Babylon. And Babylon, they take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net. And they gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. He says all, all the nations are like fish just caught in Babylon's net. 
They're powerless against them. I don't know if you've ever done any uh, fishing with a net, like a gill net, which are, I think they're illegal now. But back in the old days when they weren't illegal, uh, you could take a gill net and you just spread it out in the water and fish would just swim into it and get stuck in it. And so would everything else, right? Children would get stuck in the net. Now you have porpoises, all of it, you know. I'm just, I've never caught porpoises or children in it. But he describes Babylon this way. And nobody stands a chance against them. Anybody that comes into contact with them, they're devoured. Look at verse 16. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet. God, they're not even honoring you. They're not even glorifying you. They're giving all glory to their strength. They're giving all glory to their power. Because by them, their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Verse 17, shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? Habakkuk says, God, you're just going to allow Babylon to do this? Just to continue to slay nations with, without pity? I don't get it, Lord. I don't understand. Now watch what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. This is so key here. Look what he says. So he kind of lays this all out here. Again, it's respectful. He's saying it respectfully to God. I acknowledge you're the eternal God. I'm not. I acknowledge that. But help me to understand this, Lord. I can't make sense of how you're doing this thing here, allowing the Babylonians and everything. Now watch what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I love this verse. Habakkuk speaks kind of figuratively here. And after he kind of lays his complaint out to God, he says, all right, now I'm going to go stand up on the wall of the city and I'm going to watch and wait for you to answer. Right? And, he, and so that's the picture that he uses. Like I'm like a watchman on the wall now and I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to stand on the wall and I'm going to wait for your answer to come. And he says, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. You should underline that in your Bible. Habakkuk knows he's wrong. He knows his thinking about God is wrong. He knows he has come to wrong conclusions about God, and he was eager for God to correct him and to correct his thinking. He's looking for God to answer. He's looking for God to correct him. This says a lot about Habakkuk's heart and his humility. I know I'm wrong. I need you to correct my thinking here. I know I'm off. I need you to help me out. I need you to correct me. Habakkuk was open to correction. And this is the attitude that we all should have. We should all be this way when what we think when what we think does not agree with or conflicts with what God says in his word we need to be corrected we need to be corrected and we should invite God to correct our thinking 
We should invite God to show us our error. We should be correctable. We, we don't want to say, well, I think this is wrong. Therefore, God is wrong. Or the Bible is wrong. Because I don't agree with that. I think this is wrong. And therefore, the Bible is wrong. And the Bible needs to be corrected. But God needs to be corrected. Listen to me, Christian. There are so many people who name the name of Christ that think that way. The Bible's wrong. The Bible's wrong when it talks about gender. The Bible's wrong when it talks about marriage. The Bible's wrong when it talks about this or that. If, if what I think doesn't agree with the Bible, I'm wrong. I need to be corrected. We need the Lord to correct us if we disagree with what the Bible says. My thinking needs to be brought into agreement with the word of God. The word of God should not be brought into agreement with my thinking. Ever. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, you know these verses. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that, here's what it produces, the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are profitable for reproof and correction. Reproof is telling you what you're doing wrong. Correction is telling you what you should do instead that is right. And the primary way that God will correct us and correct our thinking is through the Bible, through Scripture. And as we read the Bible, we should read it with the same attitude as Habakkuk and give God the opportunity to teach us and reprove us and correct us and instruct us from his word. And we always want to approach the word of God with humility and bring our thinking under the authority of Scripture and say, if my thinking is wrong here, Lord, please correct me. From your word. And again, it has become increasingly popular among some to bring the scriptures under the authority of personal opinion or thoughts or feelings. And it should be the other way around. And here, Habakkuk says, I know my thinking is off about you. So I'm just going to wait here. For you to correct me. That is somebody who is fit for the master's use right there. Lord, I, I want to be in alignment with, with you. I want to be in alignment with your word. And I, I know that I'm not. I know that what I'm thinking is off. So please, Lord, correct me. Now watch what God says in verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write this vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now we have a saying in our culture, it's written in stone. And here, God says to Habakkuk, write this on stone. Meaning, you know, it cannot be changed. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Habakkuk, and he has more to share with you next time. If you'd like to talk to us some more about this teaching, you can reach us at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by email. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab. Click on Contact. Maybe you're looking for additional messages from this series. You can find them at calvaryec.com under the Media tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. If you'd like to submit a prayer request of something that's been on your heart, you can do that on our website as well. Just look under the Prayer tab at calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe and get to know Pastor Dan a little more. So feel free to explore and learn at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional things from this Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Pastor Dan has some more to share, so make sure you come back to hear more right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.